Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. So we are continuing our series called Broken Heroes. We've been doing a series in the book of Judges. And we're continuing the series, but we're doing something a little bit different in this series uh, in regard, because this is going to be a part of 21 Days of Prayer. So I want to talk about prayer this morning as we look at the book of Judges. And as we, one of the interesting things you'll see in the book of Judges is we are talking about enemies. When we're talking about enemies, we see um, uh, the, the, the Israelites, they continually are um, encountering their enemies, they're challenged by their enemies, and we know that we have spiritual enemies, right? You, you, we, we understand that, right? Because if not, we'll be totally surprised at what goes on around us. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we're to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the devil's schemes, because he's scheming against us. And our, he says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we know our struggle isn't with people, ultimately. Okay, Ultimately, it's spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. But with that said, what about people that are our enemies? Even though we know that we have these spiritual encounters, what about people that really are enemies to us? And I've been thinking about this for several weeks, okay? I've been thinking about this for two reasons. One is just the passage we've had in Judges where we've been talking about enemies and enemies. And I've been thinking about, okay, I know, I know that we have these spiritual enemies that we face. But I also know that we encounter people that want to do us harm. We encounter people that do do us harm. We have people that hurt us. We have people that betray us. We have people that um, do really horrible things. Uh, we have people that flat annoy us. Can I get an amen on that one? We have people. Don't look at anybody. Don't look at anybody around you. But we have people that work against us. How do we handle, how do we deal with these people in our lives? How, how, do, we, how do we come to terms with this? And, and a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to a, a podcast, a leadership podcast, uh, the one, the, one of the regular ones I listened to. And, and actually, the author was talking about this whole concept. And it was interesting, because I was already thinking about it. He's talking about it. And what got my attention was when he was telling a story that he had read about a, a, a Catholic monastery Okay, and one of the biggest issues in this Catholic monastery, right? You know who lives in monasteries, right? Monks, right? You know, what do monks do, right? Monks pray, read the scriptures, study, and then they work together, right? And they fellowship. That's like the four things they do. And so the whole idea is one of the, one of the greatest spiritual growths of these monks was how do they deal with the enemies they have within the monastery? And I'm thinking, oh my Lord. If monks have enemies from other monks, right? Because those should be like the most holy people ever, right? What's our life going to be like? How do we? And so I really just kind of began to understand this is kind of something we don't talk about a lot. This is really kind of something that just kind of goes over, just goes over the radar. We don't catch it. And you don't want to know why? Because we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to talk about loving our enemies. We don't want to talk about praying for our enemies. We don't want to deal with those things. But just like the Israelites, 
we encounter enemies in our life, and how do we deal with that? How do we handle that? How do we look at that? So that's, that's what I'm going to talk about this morning is loving and praying for our enemies. Can I get a big amen on that? How about just an amen? amen. Yeah, I know you're excited. I know you are. So how, who's our enemy? Who's our enemy? How do we deal with folks we'd consider an enemy? How do we respond to our enemy? Well, as I just mentioned, enemies can be those that, people that drive us crazy, people that hurt us, people that harass us, people that block our goals, people that have betrayed us. Because every one of us are going to be betrayed, aren't we? I mean, Jesus was betrayed. And Jesus said, do you think a student's better off than their master? No. If Jesus faced betrayal, if he faced hurt, if he was harassed, can we expect anything different from I, for us? We can't. You know, I think of Moses, who, who in Numbers 12, 3 says that he was the most meek, the most humble, the most broken person ever, right? He had some folks that worked against him, but yet he wasn't bitter. Have you ever met, have you ever met an older person who's just cranky and bitter? Yeah, you know what I'm just crusty. Just crusty. The hardness of life has got to them. I don't want to be that kind of person when I get older. I want to be that older person that's soft, that's pliable, somebody like Moses, who's wise, who's wise, but isn't hard, isn't bitter. How do we, how do, we do that? How do we navigate life like that? Well, one of the ways is, is, is how we handle our enemies. And so this morning, I'm going to basically, I'm, going to, I'm going to just going to share with you some, uh, some encounters I've had with enemies and, and betrayal. Uh, we're going to look at some, some verses in the Bible, and then we're going to talk about some just real practical how-tos. Okay, so I don't even know how to even start talking about this, about enemies and betrayal, um, because I, I, uh, I try to be very open. I try to live a very like, open life before you guys, but there's some things that are just so private and so difficult that it's really hard to talk about. And Some things in my life I can't even talk about yet. Um, there's some people that I know I should be praying for, and I just can't yet. Um, but I will tell you about some that I have, okay? Um, so just this week, okay, I've already been planning on, I already plan on writing the sermon. It's really already, the thought's already there. It's already constructed. And even Thursday evening, I had somebody mention a person's name and say, why do they hate you so much? And I was like, I don't know. Why do you ask? And they began to tell me about a conversation they had with, actually with a person that I served on staff with at another church and about how that person, basically, I'm dead to them and they hate me and they don't want anything to do with me. Like 13, 14 years later, seriously, to the best of my, I can stand before God and I know nothing that I've done. Now, I've done plenty of stupid stuff, right? And I'll own it, right? I'll own stupid, right? I will. But I don't, I don't even, I don't even know, know of anything to own in this situation. But yet somebody out there hates me, wouldn't even talk to me, wouldn't even accept a phone call if I tried to call them. Told somebody else that as far as they're concerned, I'm dead to them. Wow, right? This person's a pastor. Wow, right? I remember one time when I was on staff at a church, I, had, I actually had a person that wrote a letter to the board who uh, accused me of being a false shepherd. I was fleecing sheep and tried to turn the board, the church board, against me. You know, that hurts. I mean, it false lies. 
false accusations. I remember one time I had a person who uh, was causing so much trouble, was so mean, and I could never like could ne- it was I couldn't like catch this person in actual act to actually deal with something. It was all attitude. It was behaviors. It was just being meanness. One time a person even came and um, the same person um, suggested that I that even here in this church that we not pay any staff. Shouldn't pay no staff should be paid. We should give all money to the poor of people that don't have any food. That's where all of our money should go. And I said, okay, we do that to our staff. They won't have any food or any money. So they'll be those people. We'll just pay them now. How about that? I really didn't, but I wanted to. If I would have thought of it. And another time this person asked, they said, I should show, I should show the whole church how I spend my personal money. Because if the church pays me, everybody ought to know how I spend my money. And I, don't, I wouldn't have anything to hide. I mean, I, would, it's not, I don't have anything. But still, like, who would want to do that? Like, you go first, right? <laughs> but you, when you, you encounter things, you encounter people, and, and you experience pain in life. So how do you pray for these people? How do you love these people? So we've had a situation going on for about, like, I don't know, Two or three years here as a church, and and it's interesting because you you guys are really most of you probably aren't even aware of this situation. But we, so so I'm just going to share for a few moments about this situation. So we've for so I Heather and I actually I don't you may not know this but this was Heather's like home church as a teenager. Okay, and so then we were on staff here for eight years, left a few years, came back, been back would be 13 years in January. So we've been in the church over 20 years. This particular church and. And we have always had just incredible relationships with our neighbors. Just incredible relationships with our neighbors until about three, three or so years ago. And there was one neighbor that, and I can't even really tell you why, except we've grown as a church, we're busy as a church, there's more traffic as a church, there's more noise as a church. And we try to be very careful with our neighbors and all those types of things. But we've had a neighbor who just has had it out against us, like harass like cause, call the police on us for no reason, make false accusations against us as a church, against the preschool that's here, just really harass, harass. One time, one time the neighbor even showed up at my house and threatened Heather because a piece of trash had blown out of our property into their property, okay? So just like totally unreasonable stuff. And so this person had a dog, um, and they didn't control their dog. Their dog would... Um, come up and scare people at the preschool. Um, their, their dog would, um, can I say the word poop from the pulpit? Can I say that? It just doesn't feel right, but it's better than other words I could probably use. So the dog pooped all over. So we went to the neighbor. We asked him to keep the neighbor. Keep, if you're welcome to walk your dog on our property, please keep it on a leash and please keep clean up after it. Wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Wouldn't clean up. So we even, I mean, we, went, we tried to go to the nth degree. We put a doggy poo station out there with bags and a trash. We were making this easy on you. They still wouldn't do it. So we, you know, we had to, we sent them a, so we, I went and talked to them personally, took other council members, like the whole Matthew 18 did all of that. Still wouldn't comply I sent a letter from our attorney saying, no, you really need to respect the property because, I mean, we have people stepping in dog poo. Who wants to do that? Nobody. 
It's yucky. It's gross. Um, still wouldn't do it. I took a sheriff deputy over there with us. Say, you know, we've asked you to do this, this, and this. You're still not doing it. Um, we just need you to stay off the property. And, you know, this is one of the things when you're talking about loving enemies, uh, praying for people, you know, you have to really be able to negotiate boundaries. You have to be able to negotiate, I mean, I'll pray for you, but I'm not going to let you walk all over me in that. And that's, that's real-life stuff you really have to walk through. I'm not going to expose my, I'm not going to submit, I'm not going to expose myself to abuse and violence. I'm not gonna, that's, not gonna, that's not verbal, emotional, any of those types of things. So you really have to, this really takes the Lord and a community of faith sometimes and the Word of the Lord to really process these things. And so it actually came to the point where they, you can't be on the property. And you know how hard that is to tell somebody you can't come onto church property. But they just, this is where it just had it out for us, right? So several months ago, we were just finding random dog poop, just in random, on the sidewalk, on different places, and we're just like, we just got to, just, we got to figure this out. And then, you know, there's been all kinds of church, church security issues, so we're really, we've really beefed up our church security. So we installed video safety, uh, cam, uh, security video cameras that record 24 hours a day uh, around the premises, around the facility, and... Uh, so we were in the middle of setting these up. Seriously, we did not even have it set up well enough yet. And on video, we, we see this neighbor. He's taken our dog poo station trash bag, taken it, taken the bag of dog food, or dog food, dog poo. I mean, if you have a lab, it is dog food because they eat everything. But t- took this bag of dog poop and threw it up against our back door, and it splattered and went everywhere. Like, we have it on video, have it on video. On my phone, if you want to watch it. No, I, you know, I'm just no. <laughs> on the screen this morning. We have, and then, then he took. He had put some in. He had scooped up his or some dog. I guess his, but it's a big dog. But poop and it stuck it in the baggie in his back pocket. I promise. Pulled this baggie out of his back pocket, took it and dumped it on the side. I mean, just like that's an. I mean, I mean, that's like an enemy, right? Like, like just malicious, right? So. Um, one of the folks in the church was the one installing everything, and so he cleaned it up. It was so nice of him. Point, told us what was going. He's like, why does our neighbor hate us so much? I'm like, what do you mean? He told us. What? Like, oh, my gosh, right? So we call the sheriff's department. Green County Sheriff's comes out, and we show the video to him. I'm like, okay, this is pretty simple. Uh, so they go over to the neighbor, and he says, um, did, you, did you dump dog, a bag of dog poop at the church last night? Did you dump? No, no, I would, I would never do anything like that. And the deputy goes, "Do you know they installed a, a, a video camera system this week?" He goes, "No, no, I didn't know. I didn't know that it happened." He's like, "Well, they needed to empty it. I was just trying to help them." That's what he said. Well, so he got arrested uh, for trespassing and for vandalism. And, I mean, he was out within, like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, you know, just, but, it, so it started that process. But what, and so I, I say that, pro, I say that to say that as a church council and a church staff, we, we prayed, we prayed for this family for probably three years, every week. Oh, we, we prayed. And, and, and I'll tell you, when we first started praying, it was hard to pray for this person, right? I mean, one of our one of our staff, I'll just be honest with you, one of our staff members, they were praying for him, used an expletive. 
I'm just telling you, like that's... <laughs> you can be honest when you're talking to God, right? I thought you guys were more holy than that. <laughs> nope, we're not. <laughs> but I did see every eye in the room go, whoa. <laughs> but we, and you know, by the t- and actually, after all that happened, the person, they actually ended up selling their house and moving, and they're not there anymore. But I can tell you that when they moved, there was a part of me that was sad. Part of me that was sad because we had prayed for them for so many years, for God to change their heart, for God to work in them, for God to bless them, for God to restore, for God to do all kinds of things that at the end of the day when they chose not to really respond to the love of God, it, it, it was a part of me, I mean, there was a part of me that was kind of happy, but there was a part of me also that was just sad because we couldn't see that thing fully, fully come full circle. Come full circle. And so I, so I know I took a lot of time to tell that story, but I tell that story to say this is real life stuff of loving our enemies, of praying for our enemies, those that, that, that harass us, those that give us a difficult time. Peter Scazzaro said this. He says, The degree to which we love our enemies is the, to, is the degree of our spiritual maturity. The degree to which we love our enemies is the degree of our spiritual maturity. So Jesus talked about this. In Matthew chapter 5, he addresses this. And this is what he says. He says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your enemy, or I'm sorry, love your friend. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend. Hey, I want to show you guys a picture first. So can you go back to the picture? I want to show you guys the setting of where this happened. This is the, so this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus this is like a natural amphitheater, okay? That's the Sea of Galilee right there. Uh, this would be the edge of Capernaum. And uh, Jesus would have been down here like lower, and everybody else would have been seating on this like natural amphitheater with the Sea of Galilee in the background. That's a Golan Heights on the other side. You, you read about that in the, in the news. Um, but um, but that, this is like where this would have been taking place. And let me just throw something else out there. Do you, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but, but last week we got a new projector you got a new projector. We as a, our, our church, we, we got a new projector. And, and I'm telling you, if we, would, if we wouldn't have had this new projector, like you would not have been able to see this picture. Oh, anybody noticed that everything's been looking better last week and this week? Yeah, no? Well, they, it does. You'll notice now. Our sound guys noticed. But you'll notice now, before you would you know we used to have to lower all the lights to be able to actually see some pictures up here? Well, now we don't have to do that. And I, can I just say thank you for your generosity? That because of your, the giving you got, we didn't have to do special offering. We didn't have to raise. We didn't have to sell candy bars to buy a projector. You know what I'm talking about? Because of your generosity, thank you for the way you give because it helps us do what we need to do. In fact, um, we have new lights that are going to be ordered this week. Um, these We've had these for about 11 years, and we got them daisy-chained. Like, we got them, like we're praying we don't have a fire each week because like they're, they're just we've worn them out. In fact, and they're so bright, it's like, if you're up here, it's like having like eight, eight like car lights just like looking at you. And so we'll be able to go to LED lights, which are much more energy efficient. They're not as harsh, not as bright. That's good. Okay, now you're playing tricks on me. This, I'm like, what's going on here? And now I've looked at them, I can't even, you guys are all just spots. So, but but we, do, we have the money to do that. And so thank you guys for your, I mean, seriously, thank you for your generosity. But So this is the setting where this has happened, where Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount. So let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matt. He, says, he says, you're familiar with the old written law, which is in Leviticus. Love your friend or love your neighbor. 
Uh, some translations would say, this is out of the message, love your neighbor. And, and he said, and it has an unwritten companion. So everybody knows you love your neighbor, you love your friends, but the implication was you can hate your enemy. You can, that's the unwritten companion. It's like us, right? It's like us saying, well, you got to love them, but you don't have to like them. The Bible says you got to love them, but it doesn't say anywhere you got to like them. Same, same kind of thing. Okay, now you guys are with me. Now you understand. I, he goes, I, go, yeah, go back to that. He goes, I'm challenging that. I'm challenging that. And that's one of the things the Lord's doing this morning. He's challenged some areas of our life. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Not just your friends, not just your neighbor or those closest to you. Love your enemies. Look what it says. Let them bring out the best in you. Like how often does that happen, right? How often do our enemies bring out the best in us? Not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, someone's harassing you, giving you a hard time, persecuting you, a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. Respond with the power of prayer. Let the response be good. Let the response be prayer. For then, you're working out your true selves, your God-created selves. That's our, that is what's true about us, about our spirit, man, about our nature, about the God in us. And so what Jesus is saying is, live according to your true identity. Yes, it's counterculture. Yes, it's all, we're an alternative community different than the world around us. And this is one of the ways we know that. We become more like God in this. We go, to, go on to the next passage. Because this is what God does. He gives his best. Who do we give our best to? Do we give our best to those that love us? Do we give our best to those that are kind to us, that we want to be around? Do we give our best to everyone? The Lord does that. He gives sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good, the bad, the nice, the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus out of that? That's like the minimum. Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello or you know, greet, uh, if you're warm, if you're kind, if you're nice to those who are that way to you, do you expect an award and a medal? No, any run-of-the-mill sinner can do that. Anybody, I mean, everybody does that. In a word, this is what I'm saying. Jesus says here, grow up. And this doesn't mean like, hey, grow up. He's not saying, hey, grow up. He's saying, grow up. Grow into your true identity. Grow up into the likeness of God. Because to the degree of how we pray and love for our enemies is a reflection of our spiritual maturity. And what he's wanting us to do is to grow in spiritual maturity, to grow and to be more like our Father. Grow up your kingdom subjects. We're kids of the king. Now let's live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. We can do this because this is the way God lives towards us. We can do that. One of my... uh, one of my former staff pastors here, his name is Sean McKinney, 
Um, he was with us when we first started pastoring here. He was our, our first youth pastor we had ever hired. And man, he was, gr- he was a good guy, great guy. He, I knew him from, from back, like even I knew him back from high school even. And the Lord had just dropped him on my heart. And I called him one day and I said, man, I just feel like I need to ask you to come here and serve as our youth pastor. Like I didn't have like, it's like hardly like no money. And I was like, would you be willing to quit your job and like come and work here for nothing? And he said, let me pray about it. And he did. And he was with, he's only with us for 18 months, but it was, it was, it was a God thing. It was great. And, and he actually, he, he, one, one, one morning he came to me, it was right before Christmas. And he said, Jay, I need to talk to you about something. The night before the Lord had told me, and I said, you're going back to Stratford, Oklahoma to plant a church, aren't you? He goes, how'd you know that? Who told you? I haven't told anybody. I said, the Lord told me last night. Because the Lord needed to prepare me for it is why the Lord told me. And, and, uh, and so he went. He moved to his hometown. And the church is, he, was, he, had in, he had grown up in, it was like down to three people. So it was basically it was a restart. And he goes and he restarts this church. And town of 1800. Today, there'll probably be 250 or 300 people worshiping in that church and multiple services and just changing, changing this, na- this community, just doing, I mean, just reaching their community for Jesus and just doing great, just one of the, one of the great um, stories of victory of our church, that we've, of what we've been able to do to help plant that church. It's just great. We don't talk about it a lot. But Sean McKinney, if you were to call him, I thought about like calling him in the middle of service this morning and having it on here, but I was afraid he might actually... Um, answer my phone call in the middle of church, so I didn't do it. But uh, but I wanted to call, and this is his this is his voicemail. His voicemail. He says, "Oh, it's Sean McKinney. I'm not here. You know, I'll leave a message." And he'll say, "And don't forget today. Be kind and love those that least expect it and least deserve it." That's what he says on his voicemail. So sometimes I call him not to talk to him, but because I need to be reminded. Okay, thank you, Sean, for the reminder that I need to love and be kind to those that, that deserve it the least and expect it the least. Wow. Isn't that challenging? Isn't that challenging? So why should we do it? Why should we do this? I'm going to give you four reasons just really quick of why we should do it. Number one is because Jesus calls us to a higher ethic. Because Jesus tells us to. I could stop right there, couldn't I? Because I said so, yeah. Just that higher ethic if he says, but he has reasons why. He does, he has reasons why. And one of the reasons is because he loves them. That's the second one, God loves them. Isn't that hard for us sometimes to, to grasp, right? That God loves them as much. I mean, we know God loves them, right? But he loves your enemies as much as he loves you. Oh, I don't want that to be true at times. Really, Lord, you love them as much as you? Surely you love me more, Lord. Surely you love me more. And then can you believe that there's people that actually like the people that are your enemies? You ever thought about that? Like, why do they like them? Why are they with, why, how, don't they see them like I see them? Okay, nobody's ever thought that, okay. But the Lord loves them. Third one is you will be rewarded. You will be rewarded. A parallel passage in Luke says this, and I don't have it on the screen, but it says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that? Even sinners do that. And if you do good 
If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expect her to be paid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Let me say there's a reward that comes now and a freedom in our soul, a release in our soul, but there's also a reward that is going to come in the everlasting life and the here, hereafter. Fourth reason why is that Jesus modeled it. Jesus modeled it. Somebody once said, the more love, the more prayer, the more prayer, the more love. If you think about Jesus on the cross, he says these words as the spikes are being driven into his hands and his feet. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That he prays for his enemies even, even as they're executing him. If the cruel torture of crucifixion could not silence Jesus' prayer for his enemies, then what pain, what pride, what prejudice, what happening in our life could be so painful that we couldn't even pray for those who hurt us, who are our enemies? So how do you do it? We got the whys now. How are the hows? How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do this? How do you do it? Let me say this. That on everything I'd say there's scales. There's different levels. And how you respond, the process you go through, how you do this is going to be different for different people and, and different enemies that we have. If you have somebody that's, that, that just is that ignores you or is mean to you at work or is annoying, okay, that's one thing, okay? That, let's say that's one end of the spectrum. And let's say on the other end of the spectrum is just you've been seriously victimized by a person. You've been seriously hurt. You've been betrayed. Some of you have had you, you, people, spouses, has been unfaithful to you. You've been betrayed by a spouse. You've been betrayed by um, a parent. You've had violence done against you. You've been victimized. You've been abused. Like I'm, and so you can't just like say like one. I can't just say one little thing and expect it to cover this whole gamut, okay? And so please don't say something that I would say or take something I would say would be applicable to somebody who is blocking you from a promotion at work, being your enemy at work, the same way as somebody who's victimized you. Does that make sense? They both could be enemies, but I'm saying it's on totally different ends of the spectrum, okay? So, so I don't want to just like just use a big stroke and just cover all, all of this with this one big stroke. But, but with that being said, I believe that, that, that my goal here is just help you to, to move forward one step in love and in prayer for those, wherever it is on that spectrum, wherever you're at, of how to respond to that. Because... As I've talked this morning, whoever that one person is that comes to your mind, you know, who's because somebody's come to your mind in the last 15 minutes that I've been talking about. And if not before then, just now, somebody came to your mind. 
And so that's, that person's going to be on different places of this spectrum, okay? And so I just, you've got to work this out with the Lord. And please don't misunderstand something I'm saying as something not being significant. Does that make sense? It doesn't. I can take longer. Does, does that make sense? Okay, good, good, good. Okay. So, the first, so four things real quick. How do we get to this point? Number one is choose not to judge. Okay? Matthew 7, later in the Sermon on the Mount, don't judge or you're going to be judged. Same way you judge, you're going to be put back on you. Right? Look at what's in your own eye before you start picking out what's in your brother's eye or in who's giving you a hard time. So we have to be really careful about judging because in judging, we can devalue our own faults and inflate other people's. Okay? And so here I'm probably talking here more on this lower end of the spectrum of enemy, um, uh, be, but, but, but not judging. When we judge somebody, we can despise them, we can devalue them, not think this person is worth loving. So as a Christian, we have to choose not to judge. Choose not to judge. Choose not to despise. Really, look at, and as we pray for them, Think about what could be causing them to act this way. To have empathy. And I know it's hard to have empathy for our enemies, but to try to put ourselves in their shoes and say, you know, I wonder what pain hurt. I wonder what happened to them that would cause them to treat me this way. I wonder what it was. Lord, whatever that was, would you heal them of that? Would you heal them of that? And so as we respond to this, as you, you know, hey, one of the ways to do it is not to judge, but how do you discern not being a doormat? How do you establish boundaries? Because what I'm not saying is that what they have done is okay. Some of you need to hear that. I'm not saying what was done was okay. Something may have happened to you that shouldn't have happened. But the more spiritually mature that we're able to grow, we'll be able to choose to not hold that against them. And can I say this? Can I say this? Can I just say that God uses the people that you want to be around the least to do the greatest work in your life? Those that you want to be around the least, God uses those people to do the greatest work in your life. I'm going to have to cut out some stuff. Man, you guys are missing some good stuff. That's all I can do. I'm going to have to keep going, but you guys are, man. All right. Come back. Second service. Maybe I'll hit some of it in that. Second thing is it takes a miracle to love our enemies. Can I just say that? It takes a miracle to love our enemies. Ask God for a miracle. My Bible says with God all things are possible. And I'm glad that we serve a miracle-working God. And you think I'm like, you might think you're just, you're making this up. I'm not. Really choosing to love your enemies and to pray for them is really a work of the Spirit. That you can't will it. You can't just try harder. It has to be actually the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life that gives you the ability to actually love them and pray for them. And what it does is my inability to love my enemies actually reveals in me a poverty of my spirit. Because I'm not able to fake it. I can't will it. It takes a genuine work of the Holy Spirit. Right? And sometimes, sometimes you're praying to be able to pray. You know what I'm talking about? Lord, I know I should be praying for them. I'm not able to pray for them yet. But Lord, I pray that you would help me get to the place to be able to pray for them. Or praying for them through gritted teeth. 
bless them. Right? Because it always starts with bless them, right? Because that's the most generic prayer we can pray. Bless them, Lord. Or you find the imprecatory Psalms that David prayed for judgment against his enemy. I'll pray for you, all right? Let me find these Psalms David had. Yeah! Get them, God! Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But asking for a miracle. Asking God, this needs to be a miracle. I'm I'm there right now. There's a situation where I I don't want to pray for a person who's hurt somebody that I love. Don't want to pray for them. Don't want to love them. Don't. I'm being honest, right? Hey, is it okay to be honest? We have to choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. I mean, you know, it's easier to forgive somebody for hurting you than hurting somebody you love. It is, isn't it? Choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. Pray for them. Choose to forgive. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive as the Lord has forgiven me. Ephesians 4.31.32 Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I heard a story of a, of a godly Christian man who Somebody had hurt somebody that he really loved, and he was actually plotting their murder. Plotting their murder. Knew how he was going to do it. It was all ready. And this person said that to him it was uh, spending the rest of his life in prison was a fair exchange for the person he loved not being hurt anymore. That was fair. Fair exchange. But God got a hold of him. And he chose to forgive that person. And as this person came back to him, because he'd gone through a 12-step program, and part of that is amending, making amends, he'd come back to this person, and he asked for his forgiveness. And he was able to say this. He was able to say, I've already forgiven you. I've already forgiven you. That's huge, isn't it? Going from a place of, of having murder in a heart. I've already forgiven you. And finally, and I think this is an important one, is leave justice to God. Leave justice to God. Trust the Lord. As Heather's papa used to say, payday isn't always on Friday. That's, that can be have good connotation and bad connotation. Leave justice to God. I'm not saying, I'm, I, I'm not saying, like, I mean, we had, to, we had to get the cops out here, right? Like, I'm not saying there shouldn't be boundaries. I'm not saying... Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm saying when you try to take revenge on a person, good doesn't come out of that. Good never comes out of revenge. Ask the Lord to bring justice. Ask the Lord to bring justice. So with closing thoughts here, in fact, ushers, if you would prepare for communion, this is a perfect spot for communion this morning. If you'd bring the house lights down. I want to bring us to this moment of two things. Two things. Do you have that person in mind? If not, awesome. Just take these notes and put them in your Bible because at some point you're going to need them. Right? You're going to need them. But who's that person? Who's that person? And what I'm going to challenge you for is the next 21 days 
Talk to the Lord about that person, about that situation. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us, and we pray you have a blessed day.